Good morning, everybody, and welcome, or welcome back. This is the first episode of my new version of the podcast. This used to be the Night Shift Commute, a show where I would talk about news, politics, things going on at work interesting memes I saw on social media as I drove into work. Uh, And I worked on the night shift. Uh, I work overnight. I was the conceit of the last iteration of this podcast. And I kind of got tired of it. Uh, News, politics, social media got to be very negative, we'll say. It got to be real negative, and uh, and I just, I lost the will to keep going. It just got to be such a drag. It hurt my feelings. And uh, I didn't want to do that anymore. So, I junked the night shift commute. So, we're... Starting all over again. Fresh, clean slate. And if things get too too much of a bummer, uh, I will switch topics. And we'll talk about uh, philosophy, science, art, mathematics, law, history, alternative history, conspiracy theories, whatever it is that wanders into my head. Uh, So if I get kind of bummed out, uh, I'm giving myself more of an out. uh, And I am making this more miscellaneous, rando thoughts. The kind of things that I would hear my friends talk about when they would engage in various substances uh, to change their brain chemistry. So, let's get started. Imagine, if you will, that you are an ant. You're very small, and you are on a power line cable. You have uh, two directions. You can go left or right, or you can go forward back. You are suspended up in the air, uh, and being so small, being an insect, you can you know grip, and uh, gravity is not going to affect you all that much. You have a two-dimensional world. Forward, back, left, right. Those are your two dimensions. Except it being a, uh, a power line. If you go left far enough, it will be the same as if you went down a direction you don't have a preference for. If you kept going, it would be the same as if you went right. If you kept going, 
left. It would be as if you didn't change at all. You can go forward and backward for uh, for all intents and purposes here, uh, as far as you want, as far as you could go, uh, you are not limited in forward, back, left and right. You have choices, but at the same time, you don't have a choice because choosing too much of left or right is the same as choosing the opposite or not choosing at all or experiencing a completely new thing. You have two dimensions. One dimension, uh, extremely limited. One, nearly infinite. For all practical purposes, infinite to you. As an ant, you have this. If we zoom out and we are flying over uh, the flyover country that I live in, and you see the power line. Power line is essentially one dimension. It is simply length. On scale, From a large scale, it appears to be one dimension. On another scale, the ant scale, it's two dimensions, but the properties are not what you typically think of. If you were even smaller, some sort of virus or mite, bacteria that lives on the ant... You would have three dimensions. You would have up, down, left, right. You would be limited in them, but also unlimited in them, as much as they would expand beyond what is practical to, uh, to engage with. This is letting you know that dimensions depend on scale. From a far enough away scale, the one-dimensional power line, if you were on uh, the space station, uh, would be basically non-existent. From far enough away, the planet Earth would appear to be a singular point, a non-dimensional point in space. If we stop and think about the way that we interact with the world, scale matters. Scale matters significantly in the number of dimensions that you 
can experience. It doesn't mean that a power line doesn't have length, width, and depth. No matter how far away you are, the power line remains the power line. But depending on your scale and your point of reference, this is how you can think of things in more or less dimensions. Why do I bring this up? Um, one, uh, this is a very deep thought uh, that is very hard for people to conceptualize until they begin like really delving into it, thinking deeply, using analogies. It's hard to wrap your mind around something that you know to be true. You can pick up, like you could touch a power line. You know it has these properties, but unless you can imagine it on various scales, you it's hard for your brain to wrap itself around the concept of more and less dimensions existing depending on how you want to look at something. Where are you coming from? What are your parameters? What is practical? What is reality? And what is counterintuitive? To take this a step further, um, the world that we interact with, we generally think of as having three dimensions. And it usually like starts breaking people's minds and they start having uh, deep, uncontrollable thoughts um, that break their preconceived notions uh, and become counterintuitive uh, when they are told that time is a fourth dimension. And it's hard to imagine this until you begin thinking in abstracts, in analogies, in metaphors, uh, in hypothetical situations. It's hard to grasp these concepts. So it's generally accepted by most people who are interested in this sort of thing uh, that the universe that we interact with is a four-dimensional time-space fabric. This was revolutionary, groundbreaking uh, concept in the early 1900s. Uh, as Einstein uh, expanded special relativity into a general relativity uh, paper that 
change the way the world works. This concept, this idea of time not being its own distinct thing, but being wrapped up and integral to general physics. It changed the world and it opened so many possibilities. To go back to my original conceit here of things begin breaking apart on how you interact with the world, on how you perceive it. When you get to very small or very large scales, cosmic and quantum, all of the rules that you think of, but applying all your Newtonian physics, the way that you imagine how the universe works, starts doing some really weird things. And that is kind of the basis of one of the big uh, one of the big debates in physics over the last 50 years or so. Um, is in quantum mechanics. Because things don't act the way we think of them being. One of my favorite... Uh, One of my favorite kind of thought experiments, uh, mind-bendy things, is um, when you know about the atom. The atom, uh, as we think about it, is a very dense nucleus surrounded by a cloud of electrons. Now, electrons are fantastically small. If a... Uh, if what we think of as an atom were uh, a, a sports stadium, the nucleus would be a bowling ball in the center of it, and atoms would be a handful of dimes scattered somewhere in uh, scattered somewhere around the stadium. You can never know exactly where they are. And they're always moving. And they're always moving almost at the speed of light. And that's how we think of it. And that is actually not even accurate. And that's just playing the laws of probability. The laws of probability say that you are most likely to find uh, electrons near nucleuses, nuclei, you're likely to find them there. But the rules of physics stay, uh, say that that's not an absolute. The probability is there, but the probability of something else happening isn't zero. An electron could be and the math will still work out, could be on the other side of the universe. Linked. 
seemingly magically to this nucleus. They can teleport. They do not have to move from one place to the next place to the next place. They pop in and out of existence. They pop in and out through time. We think of them as moving at the speed of light because we can't really measure it. Uh, and in fact, uh, electrons themselves have never been witnessed. We only see fragments and shadows and the interactions of them. But we've never actually observed them directly because we don't have the capability to. And if this is starting to hurt your head, good job. Uh, that is the point of this entire exercise. It is to break your mind of the things that you think you know. If you think of an app as a bowling ball in the center of a sports stadium with a handful of change scattered somewhere in the universe that is seemingly magically attached to it. If you took two stadiums, you could move them right next to each other. And if you got them moving fast enough, you could pass one stadium completely through another stadium without the bowling balls touching actually pretty easily. This is something called barrier penetration. There is the possibility, small as it may be, that the atoms, specifically the nuclei in the atoms of you, could fall right through the planet and not hit another nucleus all the way through. Now, on the scale that we live our lives, we think of the ground as being solid. You're not going to fall through the earth. And that's just because the likelihood of that happening is very small. The energy required to do it is very large. We don't work on these scales. As human beings on a planet, we don't generally think of these scales. The amount of speed and energy you would have to have would kill your fragile body. The amount of speed and energy the planet would have to have to make uh, all of this line up would destroy all life as we know it. Um, and it's, and there are some forces involved that we don't generally think of that try to push these stadiums away and keep them from crossing each other.
These forces are called strong and weak forces. These are what works inside atoms. Strong force is what holds a nucleus together. A weak force is what holds the whole atom uh, together. Um, and as we move up in scale, and now we're dealing with atoms combining and moving together uh, as molecules, we think of uh, electromagnetic forces. Atoms are generally not bound by gravity. Inside an atom, you have strong force. Uh, well, inside a nucleus, you have strong force. Inside an atom, you have weak force. Between atoms, you have electromagnetic forces. Once you get uh, molecules together, they start clumping together due to gravity. And gravity is like the main force that we think of on our scale. We are at the very small end of gravity because gravity is also what keeps planets orbiting stars, stars orbiting inside their galaxies, galaxies roaming amongst other galaxies. When you're talking about galaxies moving uh, amongst each other, uh, planets orbiting stars, you don't generally think of the electromagnetic forces. You don't think of the magnetic pull of the moon to the earth. It exists, it's just very small and has practically no effect. It's an issue of scale. If you are thinking of putting a magnet uh, onto your fridge, the magnetism is more than enough to overcome gravity. We live in the sweet spot between electromagnetism and gravity. That's the scale that we're in. We're in the overlap. If you continue moving smaller, uh, electromagnetism uh, accounts for more interactions than gravity does. Why does uh, why do insects walk on walls and ceilings? Because they have enough. Uh, because they can exert forces on that scale. A scale that doesn't really exist for humans. Humans are much too big for that. Insects are affected by gravity, but it's not their main force that they live in. It, they are on the other end. They are truly on the, on the fringes of gravity. Bacteria, single-celled organisms are basically, uh, I mean, like, 
for all practical purposes, they don't experience gravity in any meaningful way. They're much too small. On these scales, electromagnetism is the main thing. To a single-celled organism, uh, electric fields and magnetic forces are to them what gravity is to us. It's the main way that they interact with their world. They can experience the other ones, but not so much. When you get down to virus levels, molecules, even that starts falling away. And they're more interested and more affected by strong and weak forces. These are things that we as humans with advanced technology can measure, but we don't experience in our day-to-day -day lives. Which leads me to uh, the, the thought that really kind of messes with me. Um, we can measure and experience gravity at the top end, measure uh, strong force at the small end, But there's no reason that that's where those forces would stop. That's just as far as our technology has gone. There were hundreds of thousands of years where strong force existed, but nothing uh, living and complex enough to like understand what was happening. could measure or experience it. It was always there. We just couldn't find it until the last hundred years or so. So why would that be the lower limit? It, there must be more forces as you get to smaller scales. Same with gravity. Why would gravity be the big limit on larger and larger scales? There, it would make sense if there. I I keep wanting to say like there has to be something bigger. There has to be something small. There there doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be that we are on the fringe. Like, gravity is as big as a force gets. It would make total sense that there would be something that acts on a scale even bigger. It doesn't have to be, but it would, it would stand to reason that there could be something that acts on a scale bigger than gravity acts. Now, there is a lot of 
weird stuff that happens in uh, astrophysics that they have labeled uh, dark energy and dark matter. The scientists who uh, study these sort of things have a much deeper understanding of it than I do, but it was called dark energy and dark matter because there were interactions that were happening that were not accounted for with the observable forces, energy, and matter in the universe that we could find. And I would posit that this dark energy is just the next scale up. We're seeing the interactions. We have not been able to measure it. No, excuse me, the fun of riding in the car. Uh, a, a car just drove past and had to downshift to make the pass. It's quite loud. Um, I would posit that this dark energy and this dark matter is just on a larger scale. We are not seeing it. And much like the much like the ant who has chosen to go left on the power line and is coming back around on the right. It seems counterintuitive. If you were to go left and like, if you were standing next to your friend and your friend is like, all right, cool, uh, I'm turning left here. And, and your friend turned and walked left directly away from you. And then all of a sudden he came up from behind you coming from your right, it would make no logical sense. It would be counterintuitive. It wouldn't be following any of the rules that you think, like, it, you would not be able to predict that outcome. The interaction of large-scale things in the universe acting in ways we can't imagine would be, like, would make sense from a different scale, from a larger scale, being able to see the entire power line, you would clearly be able to see the ant turning left, going down a, uh, a direction that the ants on the power line have no concept of being upside down beginning to go right coming up and then coming back to their original starting point from the right from a larger scale it makes total sense from the ant scale it's completely counterintuitive and it doesn't work all the time. If the ant wanted to go forward on the power line, he would just continue going forward. He would never come back around to where he started. He would just continue going forward. 
forever, as far as an ant cares. So it's non-repeatable, sometimes. From a larger scale, it makes complete sense. From the scale of the ant, it makes no sense. Why would sometimes you be able to move in one direction forever, and another time if you move, and if you moved in a slightly different direction, you would move, you would not go anywhere at all. If you went at kind of like a, at, at an angle that's both forward and to the left, you would end up farther forward, but not nearly as far forward as you were walking. If you walked a mile to the northeast, but you ended up half a mile north of where you started, it would make no sense. If you were standing in the middle of your city and you went northwest and you walked for a full mile and you ended up one block north of where you started, it would not make any sense to you. You were walking away from where you started and you walked a long distance and you did not move the distance that you moved. On a larger scale, it makes sense. On the scale that we are experiencing, it's counterintuitive. I would posit that this is dark energy and dark matter. Things are moving counterintuitively, but it's because we're looking at it from the wrong scale. And that is why there are crazy things that happen on the quantum level. And we have been exploring this in great detail. And the, and the math uh, behind the physics behind that uh, seems not to make any sense. The math checks out, it completely, like, it is observed to happen. The math checks out, says that it can happen. Why is it happening? We can't comprehend that concept. So, as my opening offering to this podcast world, um, I challenge you to acknowledge that there are going to be things that make no sense. There's going to be things that make no sense in life. There's going to be weird coincidences. There's going to be conspiracy theories. There's going to be unexplained phenomena that you experience in your life. And you can search all you want for answers. And you may not get them. 
and it may not be because you've done a bad job of observing it. There, there might be something that you missed. But the thing that you missed might be something completely beyond your control. It might be you don't experience the world on the right scale. You don't have the right frame of reference. There's going to be weird stuff out there in the world, and you need to come to grips with that. It's my opening offering to the world as I begin this journey of weird, unhinged thoughts. This may be a problem of scale. This may make total sense from a different point of view, from a different from a different reference, from a different set of laws. If you were to use uh, the laws of uh, of gravity to try to explain how uh, how an atom is held together, you would fail miserably. It would not make any sense. Atoms would fall apart. Life as we know it should not exist if you used gravity and the rules and laws associated with those. But we do know that it works. It's just the wrong frame of reference. It's the wrong way of looking at things. And so my my general idea behind uh, these deranged and unhinged thoughts is going to be, uh, I, I want to talk about the things that make no sense, deep thoughts that I have, uh, and I am, well, I struggle to be, uh, struggle to be humble enough to recognize, like, this may be a complete dead end. It may be that there is more information that I'm not seeing because I'm not looking at it from the right frame of reference. It may be that this unhinged thought, usually a what if, uh, is nothing. It's It's complete garbage Or it may be that I'm only seeing four of the dimensions when really I need to be looking at it from all 11 dimensions. And I say all 11 dimensions because like the ant on the power line, depending on your scale, your frame of reference, the way you look at the world, the power line could be a one-dimensional line. It could be a two-dimensional space. It could be a full three-dimensional object. It could be a zero-dimensional point. It's all from your frame of reference. There could be significantly more in the four dimensions that we experience that we think of the world in, the way that our brains are hardwired 
to make if-then statements, the observations that we have, the frankly limited way that we have to measure the world around us. The power line exists in at least the three dimensions that we generally think of. But depending on your scale, it acts like a one-dimensional line, a zero-dimensional point, a two-dimensional ant space, for lack of a better term, a three-dimensional object, a four-dimensional event in space-time. I just threw out the idea of the 11 dimensions. There could be many. There could be few. It doesn't matter. So, as I have uh, what I anticipate to be uh, rather crazy thoughts, the kind of thoughts that uh, my friends would have and discuss at length when uh, amending their brain chemistry, I'll say. Um, through, uh, through chemical means, through meditation, through just thought experiments, through a fleeting idea. When I have a fleeting idea, I will drop new episodes. I'll discuss them uh, and generally uh, I'll be driving uh, either to or from work when I have this idea and I want to kind of explore it a little more. This is your introduction. And if you are not on board to try to look at the world in a new and exciting way, have a deep thought, or just kind of contemplate something. Most of these will be what-ifs, or a new way of thinking, a thought experiment. Something to expand your mind. Because we won't grow as people until we can take a step back, humble ourselves, realize that what we assume to be true is not necessarily it. With that, I'm signing off. Thank you for joining me.